You're listening to the Catch 21 podcast. This is from a live show with Nick Clegg MP and Lembit Opic MP on the 18th of September 2006 at the Old Market Theatre in Brighton. The presenters were Alex Sargent and Avril Stone. Audio production was by Tim Griffiths. For more information about this and our future shows, please visit www.catch21.co.uk. Yeah. Before we begin, so I've just remembered, can we just have a quick check on who is actually from the local area and who, who otherwise lives from Brighton? We can have a quick raise, raise of hands there. Excellent, so we've got a few people there. Brilliant, okay. Right, Avril? Right, um, okay, this is the question we usually ask people. What got you into politics? Either so, of you, both of you. Do I do it alphabetically? You go first, no. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some time to think. <laughs> What got me into politics is my background. My parents came out from Eastern Europe because of politics, because of the terrible things that were going on in their place of birth uh, with the Soviet Union and the Russians and everything back then. And then I grew up in Northern Ireland, a hugely political part of the world, just in the middle of the Troubles. And I guess on top of that, I was very interested in politics because there have been some politicians in my family a couple of generations ago. Add that together and I thought, I want to make a difference to the world. And politics is about making a difference. Do you feel and you have made a difference? Yes, I do. I, I actually was quite optimistic about going into politics when I did. And I'm even more positive about it now, which may sound surprising, but if you really are focused on certain things, like um, changing regulations, or even campaigning for a result of some sort, like curing a disease, you can do it. Though it's not easy. If it was easy, then it probably wouldn't be so satisfying. Actually, I was so similar. Oh dear, that's awful. Even I don't like the sound of my own voice that much. I must try without the privacy of my own bedroom. Um, uh, no, I'm actually quite similar. I mean, uh, 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 I think. Most people are going to politics, and politicians get such a bad press, but actually most politicians I meet, of whatever party, most of the, most of the time the motives are quite sincere, I mean, a genuine desire to try and make, you know, leave the world a bit better than, than the way they found it kind of thing. Um, and, and I mean, I, I didn't really actually get sort of drawn into party politics until relatively late. I mean, a lot of people, perhaps even in the audience, who've got drawn in in their teens. I was, quite, I was actually quite put off by university politics. I found, I just, I found it... I just I felt I felt too young to make my own decision about which party you know had all the answers. I mean, not of course all the parties have all the answers. So I came relatively late to it, but but I, I think it was a mixture of anger, anger that things were as as daft or as unjust uh, or as illogical as they are um, from the way we're governed in this country, which seems to me to be potty and not sufficiently democratic enough, through to you know a, a, a British way of doing that some a British way of doing things, which can sometimes just you know drive you around the bend. I mean, why is it that we still can't run our public infrastructure, our schools, our hospitals, our trains, like so many other places do in Europe? And then actually, very well, Lembert and I have one big thing in common. My grandmother um, fled from Estonia into 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 Europe via Berlin and Paris. My mum spent her was born and spent some of her early formative years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. So. I'm not, we, I'm not saying we sort of sat there in a rather sort of morbid fashion talking about death and war and revolution, but the whole idea that, that politics matters, because, you know, it, it might not feel like that now because we've had such a prolonged period of peace, but I was actually brought up in a household where the idea that politics matters because it is, is sometimes the difference between peace and war and that ideologies matter, that, that came very naturally to me. So there was a sort of sense of idealism. I was very, very attracted to the whole European project precisely because I thought it was, I mean, it, it's run into a bit of trouble now, but I... I like the idealism about that. Do you, do you feel that there was a, I mean, just, just a 
sentence or a kind of key word, was there a moment when you just thought, actually, politics is for me, or was it, as you say, a kind of a, 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 a mixture of elements? For me, it was a continuous process. I was working in industry for a long time, selling soap powder, mm. and uh, actually, if I took a show of hands, hands up those who use fairy liquid here. You he see? invented it. Well, that was <laughs> I wish I could. There's no flies on me. There's a fly flying around. Um, if we got that same percentage of the public to vote for the Lib Dems, then we'd be in government. So I want to every liquid way I spent a lot of time doing um, a lot of time doing politics while I was working, and it was a step-by-step -step thing. I was in student politics. I was actually on the National Union of Students National Executive. Then I was in the local council in Newcastle. Uh, then after that, I ended up almost by accident in Parliament. But all the time, it's exactly as Nick says, most politicians are there because they know what they want to do. They were trying to make a difference. And I've ended up in politics, not because I particularly love politics, but because I love the chance to make a difference, to be, if you like, a social engineer. Good. Right. I think, I, think about, I, I have two moments. They're not sort of epiphanies, and I'm probably reinventing history. When you think about your own past, you kind of slightly invent great moments. But I, I vividly remember hearing Thatcher saying, or her reported as saying there's no such thing as society and I'm 39 now so I, and I, so I was at university in the mid 80s and it was an appallingly bleak vision it really it was just so brutal and bleak and materialistic and and that really uh, that, that made me incredibly angry and I thought no that that is such a dismal view of society such a dismal view of politics and then I, and then the, ironically I mean, this is a weird irony one of Margaret Thatcher's former ministers a guy called Leon Britton I worked for him for a couple of years, not in a party political capacity, because I was a sort of a, a, I had some expertise in trade policy, and he was dealing with international trade policy in Brussels. Anyway, I was working for him for a while, and he suddenly turned around to me and said, "Look, you're just you're just too opinionated to be a, a background person. You know, why don't you put your money where your mouth is, um, and and put yourself forward for party?" I mean, he was he was interesting. I mean, he knew that I was a member of the Liberal Democrats and support of the party, but he's he was quite interesting because at the time I very much thought I was going to pursue a career in policy advice and maybe civil service and so on. And he sort of said, well, you know, at the end of the day, if you're interested in politics, you've just got to put yourself forward and put your neck on the line. And that, so that made a big difference as well. Um, what would you say, I mean, given that we're sort of targeting young people and making all young people realise that they can vote, it doesn't matter what sort of background they're from or the rest of it, what would you say to, to young people or anybody who says there's no point in voting, there's just no point in it? Especially given that a lot of people say there's no point in voting for Lib Dems, they're never going to get it. What do you say to that? Do you want to go first, Mr. Epic? Like no, no, your turn. <laughs> Is it? Um, I agree with well, the previous speaker. <laughs> <laughs> firstly, I agree with what he's going to say. Um, I mean, firstly, uh, just abstracting the Lib Dems out of it for a minute. I mean, the idea that politics does not matter when it mattered hugely which party was in power in Washington and London when we took this momentous decision to go into war illegally in Iraq. I mean, the idea that, you know, that votes don't matter when a few hanging chads, is it chads? Chads, chads, chads. Uh, in Florida, arguably made the difference between whether we would be in that mess or not. I, you know, what other greater demonstration do you, do you need? Um, uh, if the Lib Dems were in power, we wouldn't now have tuition fees, top-up fees. The idea that we're not talking about things that matter, I think, is... is I, I just see no evidence for that whatsoever. Now, clearly there are some things about which politicians argue less these days. I mean, you know, in the 50s, everyone argued about how to organise the economy. The big ideological differences between capitalism and communism. 
basically, there's quite a lot of consensus now about how you run an economy, that you've got to have fiscal discipline and independent central bank. So there's certain things which kind of go off the boil, if you like, and that are part of consensus. But the idea that we don't still have disagreements that really matter, I just don't buy that for one minute. Now, what, why, why vote for the Lib Dems? Because, uh, well, firstly, because I have a romantic view that if we're right and our ideas are right, that should be enough for people to support us. And the more you support us, the more our voice will be heard. Actually, whether we're in power or not, because the bigger we get, the easier it is for us to shape the, the public agenda and easier it is for us to hold the government to account. And finally, because I genuinely, genuinely believe the Liberal Democrats will be in power, will be in government. I mean, it's not, it's not a sort of... I don't, I don't think we should be power-crazed, but um, we are a political party. We want to translate our principles into action. And I just think if you look at the... If you try and ignore the froth for a minute and look at the underlying things, all the big issues about the future are issues which we... I think are very strong. The environment, how to make a democracy more democratic, um, how to make govern the governance of, of Britain less centralised, our place in the world. We have answers for that. We've had answers for that for years. The Tories don't. Labour in a complete mess. So I just have this touching faith that if you get your ideas about the future right, you know, the rest will eventually follow. Just out of curiosity, sir, on top of that, when do you, could you, would you be willing to give a prediction of when you might win the next election? Tuesday, March the 23rd. <laughs> Can uh, do better. We'll be in government now. Now. Yeah. Now. Okay. We are in government in Scotland. Of course. We're actually in government. People forget. We yeah, have been in government. It's a coalition. Though, it's a coalition, so. but yeah. we, we've got yeah. ministers. We've got the, the second most powerful man uh, in the Scottish government, and we've also had the second most powerful person in Welsh government. We're not in government there at the moment. So when people say, as Avril asked, can we be in government? I say we already are. And in Scotland and in Wales, they don't think voting Lib Dem is a wasted vote. Actually, we doubled the number of members of Parliament we've had, we have in Wales at the last general election. Our share of the polls gone up. Another point here. One in four people in this country voted Liberal Democrat at the last election. The Labour Party and the Tories only got one in three. So we're getting almost the same proportion. There's not much difference now. So from a party point of view, I agree with Nick. We don't sit around thinking, oh, I wish people would take us seriously. We've got more MPs now than we've had for over eight decades, which is a hugely long time, and that's because people are taking us seriously. The other thing about why voting, why, why vote, Avril, well, I was one of the founders of the UK Youth Parliament, because it's obvious to me that uh, people who are younger aren't stupider, aren't less able to understand politics, but are less patient with stupidity and lies and dishonesty and those things. And the UK Youth Parliament produced a wonderful, a superb manifesto and I actually got uh, the, the main representatives in to meet Tony Blair a few years ago as well. And so therefore, it's obvious to me that politicians of any age can do it. And young people aren't less interested in politics. They're just not going to sit around and listen to crap as much as other people are. And, and you know, if somebody really doesn't want to vote, I understand that. But one of the reasons Nick and I are here to do this is because we actually think by making the connection, we actually give people some motivation to vote. Definitely. And on top, on top of that, really, what, what issues do you think are specifically relevant to, to young people right now? I mean, what, what do you think the key issues are, and perhaps for Lib Dems generally? You can start this time, because I... <laughs> Student funding. Right. And that's something that the Lib Dems have changed in Scotland and in Wales, because we were in government there. Uh, we also think that international foreign policy is really important. Uh, all of the Lib Dem MPs were against the war. We think that lots of young people are against the war. In fact, most of the country was. And that's become really important. Uh, in terms of having a, a fair deal, in terms of making sure that you can get jobs uh, and sensible jobs, that's important. 
Uh, and I think that the other thing is, is being, being respected as an individual without having an incredible amount of laws telling you what you can and can't do in your life. Mm. Um, there is so much stuff, and Nick will tell you more about this, but there's so much stuff that this government has done to take your freedom away. And that seems to matter a lot to young people. I'm a libertarian, which means I, I'm really, really virtually obsessed with freedom. And I notice that when I go around schools and colleges, it's, those are the places where people really are concerned that we're creating a police state. And we've, the Lib Dems can't, won't stand for that. We vote against it. Largely because of the work that Nick does as the Shadow Home Secretary in Parliament. What a great introduction to uh, uh, seamless uh, uh, handing over the bow. We're a team. Uh, we scripted this. To have the, the only thing I'd, I'd add is it just me? Is this really. It's really loud. Yeah. That sounds even worse. That's right. Okay. Is this better? That's perfect. I have to sort of put it down to my knees before. Yeah, um, straight down. I think, I think Lembit's uh, enumerated all the things that, that, why I think, you know, we, in a sense, um, try to speak to young people in a way that the other parties don't. But I think, aside from just specific policies, it's just also an attitude. I mean, I think the, the, the obsession, I mean, this is very much drawing on my experience in the last few months where I've been following home affairs. The way in which you hear one minister after another and the way in which you hear Tony Blair in one press conference after another basically just kind of condemn all young people mm. and sort of assume that all young people are somehow potential troublemakers. You've got this obsession with antisocial behaviour, this obsession with, you know, youngsters uh, uh, disrupting people's lives on housing states. We know that's true. But the idea that you, you, you sort of blacken everybody with the same, or tie everyone with the same brush, um, I, I just think that, I just think there's a, there's a, we need to sort of turn the corner and talk much, talk much more positively about uh, young people. I mean, like Lembit, I, I have a lot of relatives who live in different countries, and I really do think there's a problem of attitude towards youth in this country. It's quite sort of, it's quite aggressive, it's quite cynical, it's quite, um, it's quite, quite ready to condemn. And, and you know, you just don't, I mean, I, my wife is Spanish, I've just spent a lot of time in the summer in Spain. It's, I'm, not, I'm not pretending we can all become Spanish, but one thing that really strikes me, in the evenings in almost any Spanish town, you see young people of all ages, including teenagers, not only walking around with other people of their age, but also with their grandparents and with their parents. I mean, you've got a whole, you don't have this rupture between the generations that we've got in this country. Now, I'm not pretending we can wave a magic wand and deal with that, but I think we can talk about young people with, with a much more positive sort of air than I, th I certainly think the present government does. You, you did say, Avril, I heard you saying everyone's young once. I actually think some of the politicians in this country were born at the age of about 62. <laughs> because they, they seem to deny that they did anything stupid when they were young. And they seem to deny that youth is actually a good thing. And it's dead patronising. One thing I see sometimes when I go around with uh, politicians from other parties is they talk to the youth like it's a group, it's like a different species, you know, yeah. And they look down and say, oh, no, 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 not more of those. Do you understand me? Yes, do you understand me? Have you got a pension? <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that's, I just, drives me mental sometimes when I, it's just cringingly embarrassing sometimes. Do you think that there's an element of snobbery, though? Because, I mean, if you look at most of the politicians, um, they will have gone to private school, public school, however you want to word it, and a lot of the young people may look at the TV and think, I can never be that. I mm. mean, not all youngsters are troublemakers and mm. sending fire to shops and all the rest of it, but even for normal people to sort of look at, look at politicians on television and think, mm. I didn't come that, from that kind of background, so how am I ever going to make it to be a politician? But I went to private school, so I can't answer the question. So <laughs> you but kind of proves my point. Then. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. No, no, no. I think it's clear that, that there is a certain sort of stereotypical mm. 
kind of politician. Um, uh, and dare I say, I tick all the boxes, <laughs> white middle class. But uh, forgive me for that. But, but um, um, uh, yeah, and I mean, one of the things actually that our party's been doing this week, uh, in fact, Ming Campbell today made an announcement about a lot of investment, he's literally financial investment he's going to put into a, a, attracting um, uh, candidates from a totally, you know, from backgrounds that we don't frankly traditionally draw from, women, ethnic minorities, people with um, disabilities and so on. Um, I think all political parties have the same problem. Um, I personally have only done it for a while, much shorter than Lembit. I do think part of the problem is just the bonkers way in which Westminster works. You, 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 you know, you cannot, you cannot believe what a sort of weird, sort of Alice in Wonderland world sort of arrangement it is. I mean, what other job? What, why would normal people want to work where you have to work till the middle of the night several times a week? You know, uh, where you've got these odd... Yeah, well, they've changed it back again because the, because the old timers liked the um, eccentric hours. <laughs> but, but also just, just you know, the, the formulaic way of talking. Lembe and I can't address each other by name in the chamber. The fact that it's all architecturally and politically organised around confrontation. You say A, I say B. You know, that's just not the way people talk these days. So the, so the whole theatre of Westminster, yeah, it's kind of fun, and Prime Minister's questions is kind of fun, but it, it means we're all kind of adopting a language, a body language, and using words that you just don't use in normal life. I think that's, I think with, with respect, that, that's probably more important and more off-putting to people than, you know, whether they went to one school or another. I have to confess, an, a possible difference of view now. <gasps> I'm leaving. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> private school. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, no, absolutely kidding. Uh, the, uh, I'm a bit of a traditionalist in terms of some of those systems, but uh, and there's been various votes about that. But but the the, the first point Nick says absolutely right. Uh, the, the point about attitude. There is nothing in the book of politics which says you have to turn into some sort of a, a, a pompous git whenever you get elected to parliament. There's nothing that says... That it just happens. It just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can get pills for it. <laughs> but you can still, it's nice to say you can't go down to the pub for a pint with the people that you went for a, to the pub for a pint with before you were an MP. And there's nothing in the book that says you can't admit when you make a mistake. Uh, you can say, oh, well, yeah, okay, I was wrong about the bypass. I, I have a different view. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's because somehow politicians become really arrogant and, or, or they think that they can't admit weakness. Now, I'll tell you now, if you want to be governed by saints, then you need to wait for the second coming because Parliament is full of ordinary people who make the same mistakes as everybody else. But that doesn't stop you from wanting to make the world better. And I think that it would be better in politics if you were allowed to be human. And I blame the media a bit for this the media will jump on any little thing that people mm. do wrong. And I just think that puts off lots of ordinary people from being involved in politics. Mm. And I feel better now, thank you. Well, <laughs> no, no, but, well you didn't disagree with that, did you? Uh, anyway. on, the, on the tradition, oh, I, I see on the tradition bit. Yeah, okay. a bit, because I, I can see why there are some... Yeah. The, the reason I have a different view to Nick is, because, and I accept that probably in my party, Nick represents the majority view, and I the minority, but I actually think that politics isn't a job, it's a, it's a vocation, sure, it's sure. a passion. And we couldn't do the yeah. job properly in the shorter hours, so it's gone back longer. I don't really enjoy spending till midnight in Parliament, but I know that if I didn't want to do it, 50 people would take my place who are willing to oh. do the hours. So in a kind of evolutionary survival of the fittest way, oh. there are lots of people who'll do 100 hours a week if I won't. Yeah. I mean, I would say that Nick's closer to what most people in the Lib Dem. No, 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 but, but it's also a personal thing. I, mean, I have to say, I feel this very acutely because I've got two young kids. I, I probably wouldn't feel it in the same yeah, kind of way. It just, it just, you know, it's bonkers. How are you, how are you supposed to draw people into politics who've got kids and families? 
my wife works. She works full time. You know, how are you supposed to? How are you supposed to square that circle? I agree with you, though. It's not a nine-to-five job, and it's a vocation. But but one other thing I wanted to say, which I think is really important, is that um, one of the reasons why I think a lot of people, and not just young people, are turned off by politics, is that um, you know there's this rather sort of silly assumption in in the in the kind of London-based Westminster village that people walk around with you know Lib Dem or Tory or Labour emblazoned on their foreheads. In fact, people like Lembert and I are probably kind of abnormal. Well, in fact, we are abnormal yeah, in the sense yeah. that, you know, the number of people who actually are members of political parties, what is it? It must be sort of 0 0.001 of the population. The vast majority of people, I think, look at political parties and say, yeah, that political party might have a point there, the other one might have a point there. They don't, people don't pigeonhole themselves in the way that they did. So the trick for us, which is a really difficult one, is to represent our parties, but also speak with sufficient modesty, humility, um, say when we've got things wrong to, to, to demonstrate that you know it's not a sort of theological thing you know you're not you're not a sort of lib dem and therefore you kind of you know you're a sort of robot who just believes in one set of values or, or, or one set of policies and nothing else and it's a tricky thing I think for all politicians because we haven't yet invented a better way of organizing politics other than by way of political parties and yet I do think political parties by their very existence are, are looking increasingly kind of out of date and anachronistic to large large sections, se sections of the electorate. Okay. Well, I think um, we're pretty much running out of time. Well, we're just starting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and that's the only questions, yeah. One last <laughs> stupid question. We have to, oh, yeah, I forgot we have a stupid question. Yeah, well, we, we, we always have stupid questions. Right? So it's just, we can't look. No. <laughs> um, do you think Big Brother is the future? I, I don't understand this question, I have to admit, but feel free to answer. Not many people do. <laughs> <laughs> I think Big Brother is the past. I have to say that it's not a format I find very interesting, but I have absolutely no objection. Uh, if people want to watch it, then it's there. Because more people voted in Big Brother well, than they did in the, more vote than, than the European elections, wasn't that yeah. the, the, the statistics? Yeah, but it's not true. You see, that's a made-up statistic. Is it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, people claim that, but I looked into it, and it's not the case. Yeah, because you, that means... Thank heavens people. for that, because that, that was said when I got elected to the European Parliament. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, maybe two of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, but but you I talk that. about Big Brother, when it, I talked about it more, when it was on, more about Big Brother yeah. than politics. Yeah, but and politics is every day. Maybe that's why, yeah, because it's only on for... You see, we're lucky in a way, because in this country, we, we have a big whinge about the government, and they've made some mistakes, and we don't like the Tory philosophy but we're lucky because we can say it and we were sort of fairly free still that that's changing and we're pretty wealthy and we have the time to sit in a room like this and, and, and argue and disagree and, and have a dialogue. Now in lots of countries that's not the case. Like Nick's background, my background, the reason that I'm here is because my parents would have been killed probably if they'd stayed in Estonia in the 1940s mm. and everyone was political there. Mm. Where I grew up in Northern Ireland, mm. everyone was political because people were dying as a result of mm. politics. So I don't, I don't mind living in a country where we get paid to do the politics and very kindly the taxpayer pays us to do it because I know when things go wrong in this country the human sense of justice, the British sense of justice means people get interested in politics. So I don't mind that. And in terms of Big Brother, one of the great privileges of our society is we've got more leisure time. And since my partner, Sean Lloyd, has been on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I'm not going to slam light entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, the wider Big Brother, like in society, oyster cards, that kind of That's thing. Everybody knows wherever you are now. Oh! Well, no, both. We, interpretation yeah, don't interpretation. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, the other thing I was going to say from your point, then, but was 
do you think, because of the, the situation that your family was in and the, the Northern Ireland issue, that people, in actual fact, in this day and age, by not voting, it's just such a shame because they have the opportunity to vote. We live in a democracy compared to most other countries anyway. Well, I mean, I think Nick's absolutely the right person to answer the, the big brother question in terms of George Orwell, big brother, because it's his department. In terms of the other one... George Orwell's my department. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I, wasn't I can see your face <laughs> the poster looking down at you saying, Nick Clegg is watching you. <laughs> the but, surveillance um, tape. In, in terms of... Uh, whether I would force people to vote, I wouldn't. Because I think the, the turnout is a measure of how much people care at any time. And the turnout isn't bad in this country. I think 60% isn't, isn't great, but it's not, not terrible. Local government is a bigger problem, because one in three people or less vote in that. But I, I don't mind that too much, because I know people to come out when they really care. Just one thing about the, the other big brother, the, the Nick Clegg big brother, if you want. <laughs> um, I am absolutely terrified that we are putting into place all of the elements which mean that we can be surveyed at any time, anything from where we've used our credit card to the fact that you are actually filmed 200 times a day if you're in London. And then there's the congestion charging so they know where your car is. And it only takes a bit of corruption in the state for all of that to go horribly, horribly wrong and a corrupt government to use that. That's one reason I'm a libertarian. I am really against the level of surveillance in this country now. And I know people say it's good to reduce crime, but at some point it becomes a crime. And one reason why I think we need to start recognising this is because no one should forget that the, the horrible, terrible, nasty Soviet Union was actually born of the good intentions of its architects. After that, I'm not sure there's much... Uh, I, mean, uh, no, I mean, just one example of the, the very uh, sort of powerful point Lembert just made. Uh, I mean, take ID cards. The government is now spending 95,000 quid a day on a project which is, which really is illiberal, it's unnecessary. They're going to create a database on our identity which will be able to hold all sorts of uh, facts and figures and details about us, which is, which is immeasurably more powerful than any other ID database in the world. They haven't explained why, they haven't explained how it will work. Any leaks we've got from that sort of secret citadel in Whitehall the Home Office suggests that, in fact, they haven't got any idea how it works, so they're actually now wasting our money on something that is either going to be an absolute pillar of the surveillance state or just yet another great big um, uh, waste of time um, and money, which was the only party that objected to it right from the beginning, right to the end, only the Liberal Democrats. You know, that, that is, what other example do you, want to, do you want of something that is important and where which party you vote for makes a difference? The Conservatives, they were forced first for it, then they were against it, then they were for it, then they were against it, and in the last minute, on the 11th hour, I was involved in, I was leading for the party on this, they voted for some sort of fig leaf compromise which the government um, um, put forward. So, you know, it, there are some vital issues here. It's not just sort of some flouncy theory. There are, and, and these building blocks of what appears to be an increasingly sort of all-encompassing surveillance state are being put in place all the time. Um, uh, now, my final sort of note, I, I, the thing I'd like to say is this, is that um, sometimes I think people get disappointed in politics because their expectations are actually too high. You know, we don't have all the answers. Uh, there are certain parts of life, thankfully, which politics doesn't touch. Um, 
But the idea that you know politics, you could argue, and political scientists do, historians do, that politics is less important now than it was at the height of the ideological conflicts in the 50s, the 60s, and so on. That's probably true. And frankly, there is quite a lot of cross-dressing going on between one party and the other. I mean, this is the week in which David Cameron, I think, has praised sort of single mothers, and John Hutton has praised the, the traditional Christian family. I mean, it, it's all going, it's all going a bit loopy. So it is confusing, and yes, people say, well, you're all a bit the same, and you don't disagree so much as you did before. But A, there are still some vital issues, which, we, which, which I think are of principle, we do disagree. And secondly, just because perhaps it doesn't, politics doesn't have the reach it did 30 years ago doesn't mean it's not important. And frankly, the idea that that, that, kind, of, that that kind of view is sufficient to shrug your shoulders and say, I can't be bothered to go down to the polling booth and just you know, tick a box... I, I think that's a real pity. I think it's a real, real pity because I, th I just think we will only know how precious a politically committed and engaged electorate is when we, when we don't have it anymore. I agree. I want to carry on, um, but I've just been advised my technical advisor. We've got like one minute left, I think, um, of your time. So we basically, on that note, we'd like to say, um, well, can the audience, would you be willing to put your hands together yeah, for, uh, for our we're very grateful for you both coming in together on the same show. I don't, have you ever done that before, can I ask? No, but I think we might do it more now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll make a lovely duo. I mean, couple. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're too bad yourself. <laughs> thank you very Thank you for listening to the Catch 21 podcast. For more information, please visit www.catch21.co.uk.